You are listening to a Stat Media Group production. This is Cargo Masterminds presented by Cargo One. This is an exclusive one-to-one weekly interview series with leaders from the world's leading air cargo and logistics companies. It is Monday and it is time to catch up with the new Cargo Mastermind with your host, Reggie John. Sustainability is a word we often hear, but we don't often understand the extent of the meaning. It encompasses how natural systems work, continue to be diverse, and yield everything required for the environment to remain in balance now and in the future. In short, sustainability looks to protect our natural environment even while we drive innovation with our way of life. In this episode, we turn to aviation industry and make an attempt to understand the global aviation and air cargo industries initiatives to address the topic of sustainability and how they are important in contributing to achieving global sustainability goals and thus making the world a better place for everyone. I'm extremely glad to have Murray Owens Thompson, Senior Vice President Sustainability and Chief Economist at International Air Transport Association or IATA in today's episode of Cargo Masterminds. Murray joins us from Geneva. Murray joined IATA in 2022 as Chief Economist. In January 2023, she was given the additional responsibility for IATA's environment and sustainability activities. Murray joined IATA from Lombard Audio, where she was Head of Global Trends and Sustainability. Her 30-year professional life includes roles for both investment banks and private banks. Outside of the financial sector, she worked for IKEA. Murray, welcome to Cargo Masterminds. It's such an honor to have you in this episode of Cargo Masterminds. I thank you so much. Deeply flattered. Uh, let me start with your role at IATA. You joined IATA, as I said in the introduction, as the chief economist in 2022 and in Jan 2023, you were also given the additional role and responsibility of sustainability as IATA combined uh, sustainability and economics for fully integrated airline industry analysis. Tell us the reasons for this and how critical it is for IATA to combine sustainability and economics and present a holistic approach. I, of course, uh, you know, very much welcome that decision because uh, as an economist, which, uh, as you said, uh, has been uh, my role throughout my multiple years long career, uh, working mostly for banks uh, before I had the opportunity to join IATA. So as an economist, you cannot not pay attention to sustainability. Everything uh, related to climate change is obviously like the biggest uh, macroeconomic shock ever. So as economists uh, in that uh, first year that I had with IATA, we were nevertheless uh, fully engaged on this topic. And uh, having the opportunity to merge the two teams uh, allows us to be more holistic in our approach and more explicit also in the modeling and the assumptions that we uh, undertake in order to also produce our economic forecasts. Nowadays, uh, you know, we need to obviously factor in uh, the costs associated to 
uh, with the uh, decarbonization efforts of the industry and so on. So from our point of view, it uh, makes perfect sense. Now, it's only nevertheless a partial holistic view, right? Because there's not a single person on this planet who is not going to be affected or who has not already been affected by climate change. So I do dare to purport that IATA has a holistic view that goes beyond the merger of these two teams and that we try to implement a one IATA approach and, uh, and indeed have uh, sustainability infused in all our activities. At the 77th uh, IATA AGM in Boston in October 2021, uh, a resolution was passed by IATA member airlines uh, committing themselves to achieving net zero carbon emissions uh, from their operations by 2050. Could you give us a sense of the progress this ambitious uh, mission is making? Yes, I thank you for that uh, introduction, so to speak, to this question, because we do think that we are quite groundbreaking in everything that we have done. Uh, pertaining to bringing the industry to net zero uh, by 2050. So aviation was early with, um, you know, with a Corsia program under ICAO that was conceived already in 2016. Uh, first uh, industry to commit to, uh, and maybe still the only industry to have committed to something of that magnitude and importance. And airlines will start have to pay uh, under that scheme as of next year. So that's already a, a very large and early commitment of the industry. Then it was followed, as you said, in 2021 by the industry commitment to net zero and uh, followed by ICAO in 22. So the member states have now uh, also made the same commitment regarding achieving sustainable aviation. And I think, yeah, again, that this is something no other industry really has achieved on the same level. Now, Actual progress, though, is still uh, sort of in its infancy, I think we all need to realize because, for instance, the sustainable aviation fuel, which is sort of one of the rare solutions actually commercially uh, available or certainly viable today, the availability of that fuel is still only 0.1% of aviation's uh, jet fuel consumption. So the physical product is uh, is still uh, very rare. I don't know really how to summarize what I'm trying to say. Uh, there's a huge commitment, early commitment of the whole industry and of the industry's sister organization in the UN system. That's absolutely amazing. But, you know, actual big change is still uh, in its infancy. And uh, and of course, that's where we are right now, trying to make that happen. Do you have uh, all IATA airline members uh, fully aligned to this target uh, as each member airline has a different business model and they compete and uh, operate under different market conditions? I think we can say yes to, to that question, but it's obviously going to be articulated differently by different airlines in different regions of the world. So again, if we ponder the rarity of this sustainable aviation fuel that we're all looking forward to, that is, uh, as I said earlier, you know, not being produced in any significant quantities today. And where it is being produced is mostly in the US and, and in Europe, arguably. So whole continents will, you know, find it difficult to to lay their hands on with this stuff anytime soon. And whenever we, you know, talk about these issues, I think this is a really important question to bear in mind that we have to somehow bridge this north-south divide 
and uh, and really actively help all the countries who who struggle more uh, with getting these types of productions going they obviously need the the support of all the other countries i think that's really a very key question in bringing everybody along but everybody will not be brought along at the same pace and to the same extent i think it will be a sequenced approach to all of this yeah sustainable aviation fuel is the most important factor contribute about 65% uh, in the iata's uh, strategy towards net zero by 2050 how critical is it for the airline industry to demonstrate uh, demand signals to saf producers and match demand and supply Yes, uh, this is a, a very interesting question that I often get, actually. <laughs> and uh, given everything we have just discussed, I, I find it sort of mystifying that somehow the airlines still have to convince people that we're committed, right? You know, as I said, we we committed early, we've committed funds early, and we even have, uh, you know, are you an organization uh, equally committed uh, as far as uh, treaty signatories go? So for me, it's not. a question of airlines having to demonstrate the demand i think another proof point is of course that whatever sustainable aviation fuel that was produced last year all of it was bought by the airlines you know so i feel personally that the demand is undoubtedly there and the problem that we have is the supply so how can we get more supply Uh, faster that's really the crucial question and this is where we obviously have to ask for the appropriate support from the governments with the, the right regulatory frameworks and frameworks that encourage entrepreneurs into this space so that they can start building uh, self production plants because we can see if we leave it up to the current uh, energy producers while well, they're not exactly you know going after saf uh, in any kind of wholesale fashion so i do think that it will have to uh, involve lots of new producers Uh, in this space and that also of course makes it more complicated do you expect to see the cost of saf coming down of course you said the demand is already there i'm saying that as supply increases and uh, demand increases over time do you expect the cost of saf to come down yes i think it's reasonable to expect the cost to come down and often you know if we think about what the world uh, has already achieved in terms of wind and solar energy i think that's a, a good example so first of all my takeaways from that experience is that the world is capable of doing these things yeah of producing uh, new forms of energy that were not available before so uh, f- for me the transition is 100% uh, doable and feasible and uh, and of course the only way that we can get the costs to come down is if this sustainable aviation fuel can be produced at scale So again given how little of it that's produced today that's of course a factor for the airlines and uh, one that uh, many can be apprehensive about because obviously uh, we cannot just uh, write a blank check yeah to the to the energy producers and say that we'll buy this uh, at at any price so again we need uh, sort of everybody to work together in uh, uh, all the stakeholders including the governments to put in place policies that promote competition and encourage involvement in these new markets so that indeed we can uh, get the cost down let's talk about the other three factors uh, in the roadmap to net zero uh, new technologies uh, infrastructure and operational efficiencies and offsets in carbon capture and what do you think about how iata airline members will work towards uh, these goals 
Yes, I think um, indeed, uh, as per our roadmaps, yeah, we try to uh, state quite clearly that we need to work on all of these fronts uh, at the same time. So if we're going to have any chance of achieving this uh, transition by 2050, we cannot do it in a sequential way, you know, first this and then that, because then that is not going to be ready when we need it. So we we do literally have to work on all fronts uh, simultaneously, uh, which is, of course, a daunting task. But, uh, you know, at the same time, therefore, you know, we really want to enact and take action on the things that we can do immediately. And here, too, if we look at aircraft, for instance, and fleet renewal, you know, this is something that has been accompanied, that has accompanied aviation ever since its inception, is the massive increase in fuel efficiency that the industry, thanks to our OEMs, uh, has uh, managed to deliver. I don't know if it's over the whole period, but, you know, roughly speaking, I think we can state that, you know, obviously the number of passengers has more than doubled and the fuel efficiency has also more than doubled. So we're, we're using the same amount of fuel, so to speak, for to transport many, many, many more passengers. And this is in the airline's self-interest, of course, because fuel is the highest cost component for airlines. So, of course, the less fuel we use, the better it is for the airlines and for the planet and for everybody. So there, there's also absolutely uh, zero ambiguity regarding the alignment of interests. Yeah. So that will continue thanks to all the work uh, that the aircraft manufacturers are doing. And of course, we should look at uh, airspace efficiency. We should look at our own operations and see uh, what can be done there and, you know, multiple, many small changes together could still yield maybe a couple of percentage points, maybe a few more of CO2 emissions reductions. And that's not to be sneezed at yet. So we, we're totally engaged uh, on all of these fronts uh, simultaneously. Tell us about some of the specific IOTA engagements uh, with regulators technology companies, OEMs, in achieving net zero by 2050? We do, obviously, all do a lot of talking. <laughs> and uh, and I guess uh, that's the, the first uh, important step is to uh, really understand, um, you know, uh, everybody and what is feasible and how we can do this together. And I'm sorry if I am repetitive, but I think what we all really have to understand is that none of this stuff exists today, you know, we're really literally creating completely new markets that therefore don't have any market infrastructure or the necessary regulation for all of these activities. You know, if there's no price for SAF, for instance, yeah, for sustainable aviation fuel. So the way that we talk about the price of SAF is actually from calculating it from the cost base. Yeah. So you can look at how much you pay for the feedstock and then you can estimate uh, a price for Safia yeah, because there's no transparent and liquid market in this stuff yet. And the deals are private. You don't necessarily see how much uh, these people pay for the SAF in whatever deals uh, people are making for future uptake and so on. Obviously, we have to speak to everybody about these things and try to solve each uh, question one at a time. And, you know, one small step that we have been able to take is that we have developed a standard procurement agreement for SAF uptake for airlines, which is obviously uh, only like the 
the entry point for them to enter into negotiations with their fuel potential fuel producers. But that's a, an illustration of how few actual tools exist today. And, uh, and nevertheless, a small example of some marginal progress. So one foot in front of the other, and, uh, and we're definitely feeling the fire under these feet of ours. <laughs> so we hope to be able to facilitate uh, and make a material difference, uh, certainly over the 12 months to come and beyond. Does IATAS uh, well-defined roadmap to net zero by 2050 provide a a seat at the table when this issue is deliberated by regulators and governments, sir? Yeah, that's an interesting question, but I do think so, and maybe even more and more so, sort of partially, perhaps thanks to our roadmaps. I appreciate that comment. And, you know, fundamentally, because we, thanks to our 300-some airline members, we represent uh, uh, 82, 83% of global aviation, and therefore somehow that amount of demand yeah, for the future uh, SAF production. So I think that in and of itself uh, probably also uh, helps earn us a seat at the table, so to speak. But um, I think more and more of the stakeholders, be they governments or financial institutions or other institutions, do increasingly, I feel, realize that they have to engage the airline sector in the conversations because there's also a, a bit of a trend of, on some sides that, you know, where those people might want to sort of dictate the conditions under which this is supposed to happen. And then, of course, uh, without full knowledge about how the industry works, you, you might actually not be particularly productive or constructive in that process. So, so I do feel that we get solicited more and more by all the stakeholders who now realize more and more that uh, we have to do this together. The context for my question is uh, IATA is an industry body and uh, you do not have the teeth to enforce the rules and regulations. Uh, you have to persuade, you have to lobby for the industry. Uh, so trying to understand um, the roadmap, how well you can persuade and influence the decision makers, IQ and the civil aviation authorities of different governments. First of all, these roadmaps, as useful as we think they are, they are really living documents, yes. So there will be more research done by us and uh, everybody else uh, around us, and we will certainly incorporate uh, any new findings and any such useful research progressively and on a continuous basis, yes, so that we are always current, you know, the now we're talking about, you know, in these roadmaps, hypotheses about when future technologies are going to be available. You know, maybe they will be available sooner or maybe they will be available later. And of course, any delay is going to critically imperil the 2050 deadline. So I think uh, that is totally our, our mission as a, an organization is to try to be the trusted partners of governments and regulators and bring to them the specificities about our industry that they might not uh, be aware of or might otherwise have overlooked. And I think that's really important when we have discussed, for instance, various uh, methodologies for calculating, for instance, just our CO2 emissions, which you might think it, it would be a straightforward and simple manner. But no, it obviously depends on, you know, do, do you take the the segment length, or do you take the actual time flown? And, you know, all of these complexities also come in when we are trying to estimate our uh, CO2 emissions regarding cargo. So everything um, 
is much more complex. I think that's worth saying. Yeah, the whole, all of these issues are much more complex than much of the debate reflects. Yeah, this is not about binary choices or, or single or even dual options. Yeah, it's really multiple things happening at the same time. And we need uh, the insights and experience of everybody in the supply chain to figure out how to do this in the best way. Murray, were you surprised by comments by some of the key IATA airline members that net zero by 2050 is uh, unrealistic? What would be your message to your critics or any critics on such a goal? I certainly don't want to comment at all on any of our airline member statements, but I certainly uh, do think that the, if minds are united, yeah, then anything is possible. This is my really profound conviction. Now, what can be debated is indeed to what degree these minds are united. And uh, if we all agree that aviation is necessary, that civil aviation is necessary, that it's something that really drives economic growth, which I profoundly believe and think that, you know, connectivity in all its forms is literally what has determined the evolution of our species throughout the ages. Yeah. So if you think that all forms of connectivity, including aviation, is that important, then and you then obviously understand that to do that successfully in the future, we also have to respect the planet and cease emitting CO2. If those two things are, if the minds could only unite around those two things, then I think uh, that there will be little doubt that we could achieve this by 2050. Uh, the problems that I see is that there's not that single focus on that necessarily amongst all the stakeholders. And of course, the longer we debate whether we should or shouldn't, the more we imperil the 2050 uh, horizon. If we are all committed, then the policies uh, sort of come out naturally, right? And we could um, advance much faster. Tell us about the Track Zero report using IATA's Net Zero tracking methodology and what are its key features and when do you expect to have the first report? So we are very busy trying to track absolutely everything that we can find the information on, so to speak. So our own metrics, that's not so complicated, but of course we need to have the participation of our airline members and collect the data and be able to issue a report on the progress on the decarbonization efforts of the participating airlines. And in addition to the net zero tracker, we also try to track you know, how much uh, sustainable aviation um, fuel is being produced in the world, where are the projects located, how much quantities do we think that this will bring and when. And, uh, and we're also trying to track, you know, where is their policy, financial policy support funds maybe available for airlines and other uh, stakeholders to, to use in this process and make that information available to everybody. So definitely there's a lot of... Um, tracking effort uh, that uh, is uh, indeed done in our division. And um, and that is the first step. Yeah, First, we have to be aware of, of what the lay of the land looks like. And then we can, um, you know, uh, make more progress on filling in the gaps and, uh, and facilitating all of this uh, for everybody. So information is obviously, again, a first step. But uh, it's not simply by collecting the information that we will actually get the result that we want. Yeah, we... I like to say that it's not because we know how to calculate GDP that we get more GDP growth. Yeah. So, but it's a necessary endeavor. Yeah. 
If I were to ask you to identify the biggest challenge in achieving the net zero by 2050, uh, what would be one or two challenges that you face currently? Well, I think, um, you know, in addition to the one that I just highlighted, meaning the united focus on this as a strategic uh, necessity for the world economy, <laughs> uh, uh, beyond that major challenge, I would say that there's a lot of reg legacy regulation in every country's system, uh, which is really uh, harmful to progress because it tends to favor fossil fuel producers. So when uh, governments and other stakeholders maybe ask uh, the airlines to show more ambition, uh, I would totally retort by saying, well, it would be good if you guys could help us uh, not make this such an uphill struggle. So for instance, uh, you know, in the world today, almost every country, I think pretty much without exceptions in the world, do subsidize fossil fuel production to some extent. And the countries have, uh, of course, promised many times at multiple venues that they shall stop doing so, but uh, they have not uh, managed to achieve that. And 2022 was the year uh, in which uh, these fossil fuel production subsidies were the highest ever in history. So that's most unfortunate. And if we could hypothetically redirect those subsidies to the aviation uh, transition, we would have uh, about a third of our investment needs covered. So, uh, you know, that's another reason why I think uh, that this is imminently feasible. We just have to all agree that this is what we're supposed to do. We also calculate that um, our worst case scenario investment needs would represent on an annual basis about a third of the money that goes to fossil fuel production and exploration in any case every year. So we just need a third of uh, the money that goes to the oil sector and then we can achieve uh, our transition. So I understand that that is obviously uh, complicated and more complicated in certain parts of the world than in others. But that would, uh, if we could achieve uh, that, that would remove, I would say, the other major stumbling block. And the third one I can't really think of right now. So those are the two unite in the mission and uh, you know help us redirect the capital from fossil fuels to renewable energies and the rest i think we can make happen in the larger goal of iota and within the bigger vision of uh, sustainability gender diversity is a critical factor and uh, iota has a global initiative to change the gender balance within the aviation industry and it is called 25 by 2025 Tell us how this is becoming an important priority in the boardrooms. We're definitely trying to uh, live that mission at uh, IATA with several women having joined uh, the management committee uh, quite recently. So that will totally change the gender balance here. Now, of course, uh, throughout any organization, it's a hard thing to do in one stroke unless you get rid of the guys, yeah, which... <laughs> which obviously, you know, is not necessarily the, the smartest strategy. So, so it has to happen on the intake. Yeah. So people have to be really mindful of making sure that they have, you know, sufficient female representation on any recruitment lists. And then, of course, we need the guys to hire the girls, right? Because the men are still predominantly the ones in decision-making positions. So as long as we can work in that way, I believe uh, that 
you know, this is a target that can totally be achieved and, and surpassed. I mean, th- of course, there's cultural issues and cultural change is, is also difficult. But myself, coming from a research background, I certainly feel that if we can be have representation in our team for more diverse views, wherever they might come from, men, women, any geographic origins, etc., that certainly strengthens um, the, our research output and allows us to, to uh, implement our holistic view also in that sense, yeah? within the teams. So it's a phenomenal way of accessing skill sets that you, you know, choose not to access yet when you exclude certain groups from your workforce. Murray, tell us briefly about the first IATA World uh, Sustainability Symposium coming up in October in Madrid. And what does IATA aims to achieve by this high-level meeting of industry stakeholders? Yes, thank you very much. Yes, it's a very exciting uh, for us, of course. And what we hope to achieve is for this meeting to be attended by uh, people with actual decision-making power and that uh, the discussions and the debates will be open and unfettered so that uh, we can actually air differences and make actual progress and that those attending decision makers can leave the event with maybe a bit of a list of things to do. That is, uh, of course, uh, totally what we hope for. I can only uh, encourage everybody to join the event if you can and uh, and help us uh, further the transition and help us accelerate also uh, in our quest to achieve this uh, ambition of net zero aviation in 2050. As you are the chief economist of IATA and deal with the data on a daily basis, uh, I would like to end this conversation with what your reflections are about the current status of the global freight industry. Uh, Do you expect to see an uptick in demand? Is there going to be a peak season in 2023 for the air cargo industry? Yes. I I mean, I obviously love cargo. I think uh, it's just such an amazing, uh, everything, of course, related to aviation is an amazing feat. Uh, And we should, of course, all be proud of what we can all do together in this industry. Uh, So impressed. I think that, you know, obviously the COVID period showed us how strategically important cargo is. And that, I believe, was maybe a useful lesson for quite a few people who might have considered cargo to be a bit of a residual in the uh, previously. Uh, and, And I would hope that cargo could maintain that strategic status in many airlines and that we don't just sort of go back to, again, uh, under-emphasizing its importance. So that would be my first hope for cargo, that we can retain the strategic importance and continue to um, evolve how we deal with cargo and facilitate, obviously, the documentation that is associated with cargo and so on, so so that we can improve on the service and, and make it uh, resemble the passenger traffic, perhaps, uh, to a greater and greater extent. I think that's uh, the digitalization is a, a really important uh, quest in this space. And um, this comes back also to the necessity of flying in the world economy, right? That there are so many places in our planet that simply wouldn't survive if we didn't have air cargo. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how to uh, be any stronger in my support for air cargo uh, in general, of course, and that there's literally no substitute yeah, 
uh, now how much can we grow our share in terms of the share of total airline revenue or indeed in terms of the share of total world cargo that is uh, you know intimately linked with the state of the business cycle but i still think that there's a scope for growth and i would like to remind everybody that in spite of the softness that we've seen in the cargo space uh, this year that we're still uh, holding above the 2019 uh, levels and that the share of cargo in total airline revenue is still also higher than in uh, 2019. So I think that's already pretty good going in this slowing business cycle. Murray, thank you so much uh, for talking to us and appreciate uh, sharing with us your thoughts on a topic that I consider very, very important to all of us. Uh, thank you. I thank you. That was Murray Owens Thompson, Senior Vice President, Sustainability and Chief Economist at IATA. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring cargo masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and come back next Monday for a fresh episode.